Sports, politics, life. Back Nine Development presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Online at backninedevelopment.com. The magic is gone. There's really no other way to say it than that. The magic of the Kansas City Chiefs is gone. Now, that doesn't mean it's over. There's a big difference between the magic is over and the magic is gone. But it is clearly gone right now, and the headline for the Chiefs' loss 27-19 to the Green Bay Packers for me was simply this. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense, after a, a really poor night of defensive football by the Chiefs, the worst of the year, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense still had two drives in the fourth quarter to win the football game and failed miserably on both. The magic is gone. Now, the question is, is the magic over? This we don't know. We're going to have to watch the season play out. We'll see what they offer up in the playoffs, presuming they'll win the AFC West and get into the playoffs. Right now, the Chiefs are not looking at anything close to a one seed. They've got four losses. Baltimore, Miami, and Jacksonville all have three losses. But it's still a pretty good situation for the Chiefs. We know they were holding the tiebreaker going in. If they'd won last night, they would have been the one seed. So they're really only a loss by those teams and a couple of wins away from maybe being back in a golden spot again where they would be at home for the AFC playoffs. Nothing is gone. Nothing is is lost. Nothing's over except the magic. And it's making me ask the question, not was the la- the last few years with Patrick Mahomes and the incredible things that we saw, the left-handed passes, the 13 seconds, the miraculous wins, not were they a fluke because they weren't a fluke. We watched them. The question I'm asking is, was it an era? Was it a thing that the Chiefs were that they will never be again? That they have to be fundamentally a different football team now than they were when they were spectacular. The Chiefs no longer have the firepower to be spectacular. They do have what it takes, I believe, to be a championship contending team. Are they as good as the 49ers right now? Doesn't appear that they are. Doesn't appear to me that they're as good as the Green Bay Packers right now. But the pieces and the components are all there. We see them. I don't know what happened to the Chiefs defense in this game. I don't understand how Jordan Love becomes the quarterback that eats the Chiefs alive, although he said after the win, this was a game he had personally circled for a long time. The Chiefs have been through this before. They know what it's like to be the team that other teams circle and bring their 110% A game. We know that football teams can't do that every week. We watched the San Francisco 49ers have a three-week stretch where they looked awful. They didn't just not look like the best team in football. The 49ers looked terrible. You can't be up 16, 17 games in a row in this league. You can't do it. It's never been done. You can't just go out there and play even – the undefeated Dolphins back in the day. Um, we go back and we look. I'm sure there were some stinkers in there that they found a way to win, but it certainly wasn't their A game. It is impossible to do, and the Chiefs are the marked target. It's exactly what they are. So while the magic is gone, we have to hope that the magic isn't lost. I think the Chiefs defense is better than it showed on Sunday night. We've got some bad injuries lining up here. Obviously, the spot at middle linebacker is a problem. Drew Tranquil's. I think going to be out another week. I think he was knocked out cold in that game. I think you go into concussion protocol and you're probably going to miss a game, but maybe not. It's pro football, so maybe not. Brian Cook looked devastating. His injury looked absolutely devastating, like he will be gone for the season. Chiefs are patching holes. They lost an offensive lineman in this game. Players going out right and left. I thought Chris Jones played an uninspired game until the end when it became obvious passing situations at times. 
He became somewhat effective, but I it looked to me like he just wasn't there. And I don't know. The Chiefs have a lot of parts you really like. They found they have found a way to scheme the running game. It's beautiful. Pacheco had a big night, 110 yards before getting kicked out, committing a stupid penalty. Chiefs still do the stupid penalties. They've always done that under Andy Reid. And Patrick Mahomes just wasn't himself. The interception he threw, the ball was halfway there, and I went, uh-oh. I'm watching with Jessica. I said, oh, no. I could tell the floaty, and I could see, because you could just see the receiver there. Was that Edwards Hilaire that went out for that pass? Uh, I, I forget who the receiver was on the play. Uh, but I'm like, nope, no, this does not look right. It looked like the Chiefs receiver was covering the Packers defender is what it looked like when the ball was in the air. I'm like, nope, that doesn't look right. And it wasn't right. And it was disastrous. Should have run the ball there. That was first and 10. There was still an opportunity for the Chiefs to run clock out and maybe win the game outright right there if they ran the drive perfectly, perfectly, which they've done before. They've done that before. It hasn't always been spectacular. There have been times they take five minutes off the clock, go down and score, and win a football game with 22 seconds left. We've seen that, and they didn't even come close. On a first down, he just chucks the worst interception you've ever seen, and then the plays on the last series of the game, we're not going to blame the refs here at KKHI. That's ridiculous. Yes, it was pass interference against Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Of course it was. But do you realize what the Chiefs needed? There was 50 seconds left when that occurred. Chiefs would have been at the four-yard line. They needed a touchdown, a two-point conversion, wait for it. Then they needed to stop the Packers because there was 50 seconds left. Nobody talking about that. Then they had to get to overtime, presumably win the coin toss, and go down and score a touchdown. That's a lot. It's a lot to say the Chiefs lost because of the refs. That's not going to happen here. We're not doing that. The Chiefs had... Ample opportunity to win this football game all night long and didn't get it done. They really essentially got what they deserved. And maybe we've been watching the last five years. The Chiefs have been in games where they, you think they're going to get what they deserve and Mahomes and the magic just happened and they won. Ultimately, the problem the Chiefs have for me, I'm a simpleton when I look at these things. For me, ultimately, the problem that the Kansas City Chiefs have is they are not scheming their receivers open properly. When you watched the San Francisco 49ers, and granted, they're a talented bunch, but you know what? Everybody in the league's got talent. Everybody's got a receiver. Rasheed Rice is as talented as the next guy. Travis Kelsey's uber talented. They, they're guys that are plenty. Pacheco is a fine talent. There's no shortage of talent here. When you watch, how many times have you asked yourself over the years, how does Travis Kelsey keep getting open? Well, it's simple. They scheme him open. They scheme him open. They work plays that that uh, another receiver will peel off and it becomes a, a complicated scheme moment for a defender to make a decision who peels off with the receiver, whoever it may be, Sky Moore peeling off. There they go. And then all of a sudden, Travis Kelsey's left open there. If you watch the Chiefs offense by design, there are multiple ways for Travis Kelsey to get open, but they don't seem to be very good at keeping wide receivers open. Tyreek Hill used to be open all the time, but I think we know that Tyreek Hill was a freak. I watched the 49ers. Hell, I watched the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night. The, the, the biggest difference in this game, to me, just watching it, the biggest difference in this game was the Packers wide receivers were wide open all night and Chiefs receivers were not. And I don't think we just chalk that up and say that's a talent issue. You've got to find a way to scheme guys open. I firmly believe in this. I talked about it all year long in college football with Andy Kotelnicki, the former offensive coordinator at KU. The way he schemes his receivers open. 
You confuse the defense, a guy's wide open, and anybody can complete the pass. Jordan Love was insane in this game. 25 of 36, 267 and three touchdowns. His guys were wide open and he had time. When Chiefs wide receivers get open, why do they get open? They get open because Patrick Mahomes extends the play. In fact, many of Travis Kelsey's plays in this game were extended plays by Mahomes. It looked like on one big gainer, looked like he was going to run the ball, and the defender came off of Kelsey and came up to make a tackle on a third and 16 of Mahomes, but then he throws the ball before he crosses the line of scrimmage and gets it to Kelsey, and it's a first down. That's just Mahomes. That's not scheming a receiver or a tight end open. This is on Andy. We can't just sit here and say none of this is on Andy. And Nagy and the offensive gang, they got to figure this out. They've got to find a way to scheme their wide receivers open on, on regular pass plays, like they're rushing four. And Mahomes is going to get rid of this thing in a couple of seconds. Not, now, I'm not talking about extending a play, running around, and a guy springs open. I'm talking about my guy is open, and we're getting it to him. The Chiefs don't do that. The Packers did it. The 49ers are great at it. The Cowboys are great at it. We're watching all kinds of teams that are really good at it. The Miami Dolphins are great at it. The Chiefs this year are not good at this. And I, I can't just chalk it up to receiver. I'm looking around this league. There's too many, too many teams with too many talented players, and we watch too many other teams that struggle offensively and go, wow, that's really a poorly designed offense. You can spot that a mile away. And I think right now the Chiefs' biggest problem is they just don't scheme their receivers open. We'll get Stan Weber's thoughts on all of this. We will talk about the injuries, the playoff implications, and everything that we saw in the 27-19 loss to the Green Bay Packers. We've also got lots of bowl action to talk about today with Stan. The Cotton Bowl, the Missouri Tigers. How about Eli Drinkwitz going on the selection show for the New Year's Six Bowl games and busting out that, hang on, I got to take this call on the other line. It's Connor Stallions. If you don't know who Connor Stallions is, that's the underling coach at Michigan that got Michigan in trouble for spying on other teams. And one of the teams they theoretically spied on was Ohio State, which is who Missouri is now playing in the Cotton Bowl. And Eli Drinkwitz just having fun at, at you know Michigan's expense and college football's expense right there live on TV was fantastic. Sometimes some of the things he does is cringeworthy. That was fantastic. That was great. When Eli did that yesterday, that was just that was one of the great moments ever. Congratulations to the Missouri Tigers on an outstanding year. They're in a New Year's Six Bowl game for the first time in quite some time. It's the Cotton Bowl, Ohio State, on December 29th. Kansas State will play in what was formerly known as the Citrus Bowl, is now sponsored by Pop-Tarts, against North Carolina State, a 9-3 and football team with some excellent wins, very good football team. And this will be the Avery Johnson show. He takes over as quarterback as Will Howard, Apparently is talking to USC about transferring to play for Lincoln Riley one year. Lincoln Riley was reportedly in Manhattan over the weekend to meet with Will Howard, the transferring quarterback out of Kansas State. And this program is being turned over now to the freshman Avery Johnson, who will obviously get the start and play the snaps against North Carolina State on December 28th in the Citrus Bowl. And Kansas is playing in Phoenix in the... This There's been a lot of different names for these. I think at one point they called this thing the Cactus Bowl. Uh, it's now the Guaranteed Rate Bowler. It's sponsored by a mortgage company or something. But they're playing UNLV. This is not the best draw for Kansas. If there was a, a bummer of the day, it's the Kansas Jayhawks. It's an opponent that doesn't excite you, and this bowl pays absolutely nothing. Like it pay, I think it pays $1.2 million or something, and even the Citrus Bowl for K-State's a $6 million bowl game. And this is just not a – this is bad. For, this is a bad deal for Kansas. I don't know how they got shafted down that far, but it just worked out that way. And they will play on December 26th, the day after Christmas, 
against UNLV. The college football playoff for the patrons this weekend, I wrote a newsletter about the college football playoff. It's a joke, but you know what? It's It actually is a nightmare that has ended. College football playoff is essentially fixed now as there will be 12 teams going forward. So next year, the Missouri Tigers would have been in. Last year, Kansas State would have been in. It's going to be much, much better. Go win your league, you're finished in the top 10, and you're going to be in the college football playoff. Florida State goes undefeated in a Power 5 conference and gets left out. Remarkable. The Georgia Bulldogs win 29 games in a row. 29 in a row. Back-to-back national titles. And lose to Alabama by three, and they're out. Whole thing's a joke. Absolute joke. We got Michigan, Alabama, Texas, and Washington. Stan will be here to talk about it. It's all sponsored you by Cross Kitchens. Online at crosskitchenskc.com. They're family-owned and operated. We love that. We love good, good conservative mom-and-pop businesses where the owner takes pride and effort into every single project that they do at Cross Kitchens. That's Tim's commitment to you. If you'd like to sit down with Tim and Brittany and talk about what's possible at your home, whether it's just remodeling a bathroom or redoing an entire kitchen, they'd love to meet with you in your home. Just make the call to Cross Kitchens and ask them about free granite countertops right now. 816-898-7047. That's 816-898-7047. Online at crosskitchenskc.com. Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet GMC in Excelsior Springs. Hey, they got some great low interest rates back on multiple vehicles, including trucks. Chevy Silverado. One of the great things about Roberts Robinson is they will build your exact car for you and deliver it to you no matter where you live. You can literally go through Roberts Robinson Get your new Chevy truck or or GMC, Sierra, or Canyon, or SUV, whatever it is that you're looking for, they'll have it built, and they'll deliver it to you anywhere. They have delivered in Florida. They've delivered in South Carolina. They've delivered all over the place. They will make it happen for you, and you'll be doing business with somebody great, like the good folks at Roberts Robinson. Right now, they're doing a toy drive. We'd be honored if you dropped by the dealership in Excelsior and dropped off a couple of toys, or just spend two minutes on Amazon, buy a little $8 Lego set or something, and have it shipped to 1501 Kearney Road in Excelsior Springs, Missouri. That's 1501 Kearney Road in Excelsior Springs for Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC. And Advantage Termite and Pest Control is online at AdvantageTPC.com. Residential or commercial, we've been with them 25 years now. It's Advantage Termite and Pest Control. They also do annual lawn service on uh, like five times a year treatment. If you'd like to just do it all in one. Have one company do all your home services, Advantage can do that now. That's pretty cool. Sign up for lawn care at 913-768-8989 and have them do the, the works, the whole thing for you in 2024. It's AdvantageTPC.com. We got Stan Weber in the football feast, and my, oh, my, do we have a lot to talk about with Mr. Stan on KKHI. Hit it. The Kevin Keatsman Has Issues conversation is presented by the New Car Image. Bring your car back to life by visiting thenewcarimage.com. Well, we love the football feast, and we are so pleased to have Stan Weber with us to talk about what ails the Kansas City Chiefs, the bowl assignments for our local schools, and, of course, a controversial college football playoff. Hello, Stan. we got a lot to talk about this time. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. You know, when we went to Thanksgiving weekend and started out playing football on Thursday all the way through Monday, you have so much to take in and big 
conference games and you know rivalry weekend and the NFL on fire all the way starting on Thursday. We thought we had so much to talk about last week, and then here we come to this week, and we go, oh, wait a second. Multiply that times about 10 right now, so here we go. All right, so here's the Cliff's notes of what I've already said here before you came on. I'm curious whether you agree or not. And then I want the things that I see, I would love for you to explain to me because you're so much smarter at this than I am. But I've said I think the magic is is gone from the Chiefs, right? It's gone, but it's not lost. I think they can get it back. But Patrick Mahomes, buddy, he had two drives at the end of the game to go win a football game and failed on both of them. I mean, what what am I watching? It is a difference, Kevin. Uh, you're noting it well. I think this is the way you need to a- ask yourself. Everyone listening, think about this. For all these years that Patrick Mahomes has been the quarterback, when I've been sitting there at home watching the game and it gets into a late drive situation with the Chiefs needing a field goal for sure or a touchdown even, I feel like they're going to drive down the field and win this game. It is not logical to be that confident, but – that's what I believe in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and what the Chiefs do. Okay, so I think they're going to score a touchdown. And I've thought that game after game after game, and it didn't matter if it was the playoffs, the Super Bowl, or whatever it took. Now, again, very naive, but that's what I thought. I bet a lot of people are in line with that. Now let's fast forward to the Philadelphia Eagle game when the Chiefs got the ball at Arrowhead. For the first time, Kevin, I sat down in my chair and said, I don't think that Chiefs are going to drive down the field this time. I I don't. I don't think they're dictating to the opponent. I don't see Patrick Mahomes with that confidence that we're going to run these plays and I'm going to provide the magic. I think he's confident that he can provide the magic. But does he really believe that they're going to cut the heart out of the opponent and dictate to them in a two-minute drill situation? So, again, they, you may not agree with that, Kevin, but that was a stark mental note that I made that – goes along with what you just said, okay? It isn't lost, but it is not there, what we've normally thought. Then they didn't do it against the Eagles. Now, let's fast forward to the game on night against the Green Bay Packers. What was your feeling? Mine was more neutral. Like, I thought they got a little bit of their old Chiefs magic back against the Raiders after they got whipped and should have been behind 17 to nothing. and I had all kinds of questions about what this Chiefs team is really internally thinking they bounced back and played really well to finish it off. And I thought, you know, Kevin's statement that you just made, it's, it's, it's not there, but it's not gone forever. You know, I thought they gained some of that back. So when I was watching the last quarter, the, half, the last half of the fourth quarter, Kansas City trying to either go down and kick a field goal and beat Green Bay or after Green Bay got a field goal, a touchdown, either one of those two drives, I felt like, yeah, they might do it, but not with the complete confidence I've had forever with Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback but not as negative as I felt the Philadelphia game. How does that sound, Kevin? I think they are different. I don't think they're as magical. I think Patrick Mahomes is trying so hard. All the good plays, Kevin, are him doing outrageous things, like running for 10 yards, running up to the line of scrimmage and flipping the ball to someone. This is not normal Chiefs offense. This is one dude playing out of his mind this year, okay, and taking the Chiefs to a pretty good offensive level and maybe – still the best team in the NFL. Who knows? But I think Patrick Mahomes has been carrying too much of the load, doing too much, and in the end, he can't just dictate at the end of the game. I felt better at Green Bay going down the stretch than I did Philadelphia. But each of those situations, Kevin, completely new for me. I didn't just sit back and go, yep, Chiefs are going to win this game. How does that sound? 
Well, I had a buddy that was really mad that they ran the ball on the two-point conversion, and I said, yeah, except they just gashed him on five straight plays. I mean, they were abusing him at the line of scrimmage, so I really didn't have a problem with that. I've seen him try to throw the ball in tight windows for conversions, and it doesn't work sometimes, too. So there were things in this game that I that I didn't mind, and I'm not usually the first guy to say, hey, run the football. The interception that he threw was a, a an obvious running situation. They had just gotten a first down. They're around midfield or whatever. There's four and a half, five minutes to go in the game. And you've you've literally the way you've run the ball, you've got a chance. They were down at that point five, right? They've or, or, yeah, 24-19. They literally had a chance to go down and score with 32 seconds left and win the football game. And I thought they got overly aggressive throwing the ball. And obviously you shouldn't have thrown that pass. It was a terrible play on the interception. Then they get another chance to go do this. And they finally go downfield in what in the regular part of the game would have been a pass interference call, no question. I don't think they throw deep posts enough to try to get pass interference calls. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that the guy's going to be wide open or even that Mahomes is a great deep passer because he doesn't seem to be as accurate as he once was there. But ultimately, in the, the thing that I see, and I watched the Niners yesterday, Stan. I watched the Packers last night. They look the same. Their scheme, they're all, and, and we've talked about Kansas this year in college. You know, I've, I've said all year, what is amazing to me about Kotelnicki, the coordinator there, is how often he schemes KU wide receivers open. I don't know that there's a pro on the KU roster, but those guys are always open in that scheme. And the Packers did that last night, and the Niners do it all the time. And I don't know if Andy Reid needs to change, copy some other teams. The Chiefs have been the team that everybody's been copying. Maybe it's time to start copying the Niners a little bit. They got to find a way to scheme these guys open because you can't just scramble and have Mahomes buy time to get them open. They need a better passing scheme, don't they? Very interesting you say that because your examples are so well stated. Uh, like the Niners, for instance, who just have guys, when things are clicking, they're all or nothing. You know, it, either the system works or it doesn't. Even though they have superstar players, they're either wide open and the 49ers are dictating to you or they can't get anything going. Just look at the first quarter when San Francisco couldn't do anything. And in the last three quarters against Philadelphia, they took off. Now let's talk about something very interesting when you talk about the scheme. The Chiefs offense and Andy Reid, he is the best offensive coordinator in the NFL, and he has been for a long time. So let's start there, because what we're about ready to talk about and what you just stated almost seemed like he, he's not on his game or he's behind the rest or he's not scheming things up as well. And you go, how can this possibly be? We consistently put him up on the pedestal as being an offensive play-calling guru, designer, and everything else. Now, how can we talk negatively about him at all? Well, here's what I think we can do, Kevin. There is an answer in between those two thoughts. Andy Reid is the best offensive coordinator. He is a great play caller. All those things are true, but here is the thing that I think is different. Andy Reid has built a system, Kevin, that is so intricate that it calls on the players to execute on the run, on the field. So his scheming up always works. Just use Travis Kelsey as the easiest answer. Everyone understands this who, under, who likes football that Travis Kelsey will do something outside of what the route is and just go to the open area and Patrick Mahomes will find him. There is a lot of this in Andy Reid's offense. His offense is built on players being smart and going to the right places and doing things that are different than what he wrote down when he wrote the play up. When he put it on the chalkboard or on the computer screen, he said, run this route. But he doesn't really mean run that route. He goes, start with this concept, understand where everyone else is, and if you're guarded this way, 
run your route one way. If you're guarded another way, run it completely different. They basically are running three different routes. After the ball snapped, they could okay. run three different routes instead of one. Okay. Why is Patrick Mahomes' ball – the balls are dropping on the ground, Kevin, all over the place because the receivers are not doing what they're supposed to do. They're not reading it like Patrick Mahomes is. Patrick Mahomes is reading it and throwing the ball where they should go, and they're not going there. And that's why it looks crazy because he doesn't scheme it up to just say, run here and I'm going to have you open like the 49ers do. He says every play will work if you react to the defense, and his guys are not keeping up with okay. his calculus-level offense. I think, I think for the mo- you're right, uh, you know, I, I, and I know you're right because you just explained that perfectly. But it doesn't change the fact that if there's three different routes on a route or on a play, the first routes are never open. Never. Never. And other teams are. And I don't know what Andy's got to do. Uh, you know, I don't know how much help he's got, but – you know, I'm watching the Dolphins, I'm watching the Niners, I'm watching the Cowboys, and there's some pretty quick passes going for 16 yards, man. And it's pretty easy because the dudes are wide open. You know, I just watched CeeDee Lamb go all over the place, you know, and, and obviously great player. Maybe the Chiefs don't have that player. I think Rasheed Rice can be a, a way better than average wide receiver in this league, and I think he's he's kind of there now. But even, you know, he, he, had a, he had a quick little hitter yesterday, a little slant. Mahomes missed the throw. It was just out in front of him a little bit too much. And I know that's... You, you can't ask your quarterback to be perfect, but that was a nice-looking play. That was going to be a 12-, 14-yard gain, but the throw was off. It just, it just isn't right on those first parts of the route, Stan. It just isn't right. That's true. And uh, as an RPO, and if you go back and think about Patrick Mahomes, RPO, when he first introduced that, he threw a little pass like that to Tyreek Hill against the Chargers in the opening game of the season, and Tyreek Hill went like 70 yards, okay? So Patrick Mahomes is a little off, by the way, like the interception. You can blame Sky Moore if you want. The fact is, Patrick has thrown balls that are interceptable, uh, and unlike well, in the past. The well, I'm terrible Eagles because I'm blaming the play call because I think they should have been running the ball right there. <laughs> I'm going back to the passing game and answering your question. That <laughs> Andy Reid has designed things where every play is open if guys do it right. It's impossible to not have guys open the way the Chiefs run their offense. But the guys have got to be capable of doing it mentally. They got to do it quickly, decisively, be on the same page as Patrick Mahomes. And they aren't athletic enough to go back to when Tyreek Hill left the Chiefs, there were questions around the country would the Chiefs be the same? All they did is produce at a high level last year and win the Super Bowl, and everyone quit thinking about Tyreek Hill being a difference maker. Well, let's go back to that thought. You got Tyreek Hill, Kevin. He is unbelievable. Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill are difference makers like no one else has in the NFL. Those two guys are so elite, other than quarterbacks, they're the two guys. So when Debo's in for the Niners and Christian McCaffrey's available, the Niners are the best team in football. But if Debo's not available, they fall off tremendously. Tyreek Hill is unbelievable. CeeDee Lamb is just starting to reach not their level, but a level above what the Chiefs receivers would ever consider. So the Chiefs receivers, A, don't have the athletic ability to go get open right away, like some of these superstars do, but they've got to be on the same page with Patrick Mahomes, and right now, he is not on the same page with him. The doubt is in his mind, Kevin, I believe. I believe the doubt's in there. He is such a trooper that after the game, he says all the right things, and he's trying to do the right things like he's a mature coach and just doing what's best for the Chiefs. But deep down, I think he's putting this whole team on his back because he doesn't trust when he throws the ball that those guys are going to go to that open area. And he does not trust it at all. 
and therefore your accuracy gets a little bit less as well, Kevin. I'm telling you, when I'm in sync, and I wasn't even a good passer, but if, if I were in sync with a certain person, it was just amazing how when I throw in the ball, it would stick right between the two numbers. And I would just laugh and go, why don't I throw that good a ball to that guy? I like him. He's a good dude. I trust him. But you have a connectivity with certain people that is outrageous, and it makes you throw the ball more accurately. If that were Tyreek Hill running that slant pass last night on that sidearm throw you're talking about, if everyone's wondering, it was an RPO. He's reading the runner pass, and he says, boom, I'm going to throw that ball in that slant. He would have stuck it on Tyreek Hill, so Tyreek wouldn't even have to reach out. So it was a bad ball by Patrick Mahomes, and Rasheed Rice did nothing wrong. But does Rasheed Rice, is he a reliable guy that Patrick trusts? and has connectivity with, I propose to you the receivers are just a bunch of average guys. Rasheed Rice can change that. But they're a bunch of average guys who don't scare any team getting ready for them, and they're not reading the routes correctly, and it's affecting Patrick Mahomes. Totally fair. Totally fair. But I do seem to remember last February in the Super Bowl, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore schemed wide open on the easiest little touchdown tosses you ever saw where they never even got touched. I agree. And, and that's because just Philadelphia's gone. defense was the stupidest defense okay. you've ever seen. All right. Well, so, so something ain't right. <laughs> I mean, the Eagles are totally messed up. But I get, hey, Andy, Andy is still the best offensive coordinator. But I don't know. He's got to be care- careful to not leave his system. You can't teach the system year after year after year and then bail at the two-thirds mark of a football season in 2023. You just can't do it, Kevin. So he probably does need to scheme up some things, uh, simplify a few things, rely on the run a little bit more, all those things. But this is hard for Andy Reid. Yeah. This is hard. When you when he sits at his desk, man, he is using both hands drawing up plays. I know. It is really hard for him to say, Andy, take your left hand and tie it behind your back. You only can call plays and draw them up with your right hand. And maybe he needs to do that, Kevin, but you got to be careful. The Super Bowl hasn't been played yet. They may still yeah, win the Super I, Bowl this year. And Andy yeah. goes, stick with the system, stick with the system. Okay, so and I agree with that as well. And so here's one little takeaway from this thing that, that I think if I played for the Chiefs, that I would. I, it's not spoken. I'm sure it's not talked about, but it really is a part of their DNA. And that is, this is a regular season game. This isn't that important. I mean, it's important. It's today's game, but this isn't the end all be all. Like Nick Bolton's still out. Okay, we're going to take our time here on bringing guys back from injury. We're going to do this, do that. The Chiefs for years were never a Super Bowl contender, but they were always the team at Arrowhead that beat the eventual Super Bowl champion. Okay, that's kind of what Green Bay was doing last night. All right, This was their game of the year, and the Chiefs are dealing with that every single week. That is not an excuse. Part of that is on Andy. I just feel like he's working towards something down the road. Like, when you don't use, when you refuse to use Patrick Mahomes in any sort of a running play or a quarterback sneak or anything, and you say, that's off the table, we don't do that, you're you're telling your entire team, this is only a regular season game. And the Chiefs are about something bigger than that. And the great teams, and I don't think the Chiefs are a dynasty yet, but if they win, if Mahomes wins a third one, I think we'll say this is a dynasty era. If they get to something like that point, I think we're going to look at this and go, okay, they're the kind of team that really knows that it's about January and February, not really Green Bay on a Sunday night in December. I totally give you that. And, you know, there's a certain arrogance to saying that we don't have to quarterback sneak and we still can beat you. And the Chiefs have been able to do that. But that arrogance should be limited now. The Chiefs aren't 
distinguishably better than everybody else yeah. in the NFL. Oh, by the way, Kevin, they weren't last year. Okay. Right. I'm telling you, the Niners and the Eagles were just as good as the Chiefs and, and the Bengals. It, the Chiefs did a great job of winning, like you said, playing awesome football in January and making the plays and into February, and they are the Super Bowl champions, and they deserve it. And I love, I love, Kevin, some of my favorite all-time teams are the ones who weren't the dominant one all year and still put a trophy in the case, okay? Because when you're the best, you got to finish it off. Buffalo Bills, you know, that this is their story. When they've had the teams that are the best in the league, they've not won a Super Bowl. That's the biggest disaster. But what's a real benefit and not a disaster at all is when you're just one of the mix of, of the top two or three or five teams, and you go win a Super Bowl, that's what the Chiefs did. Oh, by the way, when they lost Tyreek Hill, Kevin, they lost a lot. So the fact that they won the Super Bowl last year is not because the Chiefs are just greater than everyone else. They went out and won one that they shouldn't have won. They had like a 20% or 25% chance of winning when the playoffs started. After all the great work in regular season, they won it. So don't carry over and tell me, oh, these Chiefs were dominant last year, and they come into this season and they're dominant. No, they're not dominant. This fortunately, is one of the poorer AFC groups of teams we've ever seen. So the Chiefs still can be the best team in the AFC. They got that chance. And if the Niners don't play their best, and if the Eagles – the Eagles aren't nearly as good as they were last year. No, they've got a huge problem. They can still win the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are probably the second-best team in the NFL. I think the Niners are the best. But you really want to believe – do you think Brock Purdy against Patrick Mahomes is something that you don't feel good about as a Chiefs fan? Come on. I know. Look, I felt the Chiefs were better than the Eagles. They just didn't win the game. I just thought they were the better team almost all night in that game. I think the Eagles have real problems. I think Dallas is going to light them up. That's going to be fun, by the way. I And I, nobody likes the Eagles either. And I, I don't know that it's about the Super Bowl last year necessarily as it is their coach and his little celebration here a couple of weeks ago and some of those things. But they're kind of becoming the bad boys. I just don't think you can keep getting away with what they've been getting away with and winning. It's got to catch up with you in an NFL season. So I do think all those things are possible. Now, Let's not dwell on this because I'd have to see it again. This was the worst defensive performance of the year, I think. We can probably say that pretty comfortably. I never felt like they were ever getting off the field. Like all night, third and eight, okay, well, they're going to complete one because somebody's going to be wide open here, and they were. Are you concerned about the Chiefs' defense, or do you chalk that up as a bad night at this point? I do not chalk it up as a bad night. I mean, I do think Green Bay was on fire, and they got lucky on the fourth down pass. Okay, what happens if the fourth down pass drops to the ground like it should have? Uh, then you look differently at the Chiefs. Amazingly, to give the Chiefs defense credit, I could not believe when I saw the stat yesterday. I really could not, Kevin. Anytime the Chiefs have given up 21 points or more this year, they've lost. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. And, and, and they've given up. That means all these eight wins, they gave up 20 or, point, 20 or less. That surprises and, the heck and, out and of me. Do you know why I think that is? It's because of all the, these long drives and the clock running. I mean, there were yeah, no possessions exactly. in that game. When the Chiefs don't get possessions, that's not a good game for them. No, you run the clock against Patrick Mahomes is what they talked about four years ago. It's still true. Green Bay did all those things. Green Bay played well. You mentioned it perfectly. It was their Super Bowl. It was their coming out party. When they beat Detroit, their their fans were in shock. They didn't think they were going to go to Detroit on Thanksgiving Day and win. And now the enthusiasm is building. They had a good game plan. They played out of their minds. Congratulate Green Bay more than cut down the Chiefs because the offense did move the ball. They just didn't get very many possessions. Patrick Mahomes did turn it over. We can di- dissect the Chiefs. The official calls really made a big difference at the end. All those things. But what do I think about the Chiefs defense? Here's what I think, Kevin. You have lived 
through the Patrick Mahomes era of saying the offense is going to go out and win the game. If you need to score 30, you know that the Chiefs can score 30. Okay, the games probably should finish 31-27 if it's a close game. Not 21-17, 31-27. The offense will move the ball, score, do what they need to do, and that's just Chiefs football. That's been very successful. This year we introduce a new subject. We say, hey, the Chiefs defense has taken that big step we've been talking about, not hoping to be in the middle of the pack or look at certain statistics. Remember how the Chiefs defense really didn't stop the run, really didn't scare anybody the last few years, but they'd say, oh, but their red zone defense was okay, so they're, they're not giving up quite as many points. All these different things. Now you have a legitimate defense, but we swung the pendulum too far, Kevin. We meaning Chiefs fans, you and me. And we're not trying to distinguish others. Just Here's what we thought. The Chiefs defense didn't just pass that midway mark, Kevin, and be one of the better defenses in the league. We started buying in and having expectations that they were one of the best defenses in the league. Okay? A shutdown defense and the offense isn't playing up to par and you win the game 27 to 20 or something like that. I think the Chiefs defense isn't that good. Okay? So let's get rid of, as we get through the playoff run and we go to December, January, February, don't start thinking the Chiefs defense is going to lock down and shut everybody down. They're still very, very good compared to expectations at the beginning of the year to where they are, Kevin. If I told you they're the seventh best defense in the National Football League, you'll take it. But what were we thinking? They might have been the second or third best in the league. Let's don't worry about that. Let's don't hold them to those expectations. They're not going to shut everybody out. They're going to be tight. And you can't say, well, it's Nick Bolton's out. No, even the third-string linebacker did good things. This defense is still based upon two great cornerbacks, a super defensive lineman in Chris Jones, and a scheme that is aggressive and pulls the blitzes out at the right time, Kevin. Does that make sense? Yep. They pull the blitzes. They don't physically line up in base defense and beat the hell out of you and don't let you run any play and hit you and knock you backwards and say, three-yard gain, you can't run against us. That's not what the Chiefs defense is built upon. It's Spags making the perfect call. Did you hear Chris Collins were talking about, hey, what do you say, three times or five times a game, he schemes up someone running like Willie Gay did in there, straight in without getting blocked? It's that un- unbelievable scheme, good athleticism, great cornerbacks, Chris Jones blowing up things. I like the Chiefs defense a lot. It's not the 18th best in the league. It's more like the 8th or 7th or 6th. But I think we started thinking that they were going to win the games without the offense doing their thing. And all we learned in the last couple of games, go back to the Raiders game, should have been 17 to nothing, Kevin. This defense is not long down smash you Chicago Bears of 85. I'm not down on them, but let's, I thought we overplayed their hand. Does that make sense? Yeah. They need to quit having expectations of saying, we failed today. We didn't play well against Green Bay because they did this or that. They're going to give up some drives. They're not going to be perfect. Just get used to it. Does that make sense? I want yeah. to pull the defense back and say, offense, you need to step it on up. Andy Reid, you need to step it on up because this defense should give up 24 points a game and not blink an eye. 27, not blink an eye, man. You didn't play bad if you did that. They're just not dominant. They need everything to go their way. They need the officials not to call uh, penalties on their corners because they beat the hell out of the wide receivers, Kevin. So they, they don't want those pass interference calls. They don't want those illegal touch calls. They need Chris Jones to blow up a few plays. They need Nick Bolton to step up and stop a run. And they need mostly their coordinator, Steve Spagnola, to call things and blow the other team up once in a while. The Chiefs will do all those things all the way to the Super Bowl. No problem. I love the defense. 
they're just not dominant. All right, on to college football with Stan Weber, brought to you by Window World, simply the best for less, the official windows of the Kansas City Chiefs. Window World would love to come to your home and check out any project you have, whether it's one window or 100. 816-799-0820, online at windowskansascity.com. Joslin's Jewelry, maybe Stan will be headed that way in Overland Park at 95th and Antioch this holiday season. What a great Christmas present that is to get her something that sparkles, even if it's just a $50 necklace or chain, or if you're thinking about popping the question and getting a diamond this holiday season, Joslin's Jewelry would love to work with you. Never a commission, never any pressure. Just good old-fashioned service. Joslin Jewelry, 95th and Antioch in Overland Park. And the Bluemont Hotel and Goolsby's Restaurant and Indoor Entertainment Center in Manhattan, right at the corner of campus and Aggieville. It's the Bluemont Hotel, which is your business headquarters if you're in and about Manhattan, Kansas, and you need a great place to stay. It's the Bluemont Hotel, online at bluemonthotel.com. Stan, let's talk bowl games here, and I think the headline for us is the Missouri Tigers on a New Year's Day, New Year's Six game. December 29th, Cotton Bowl, Ohio State. Eli Drinkwitz having some fun on ESPN at Michigan's expense, saying he's going to be on the phone with Connor Stallions to get, to get all the inside signals and information about Ohio State. This is fun for Missouri to play a blue blood. Yes, it is, and to play the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, uh, It's travelable for all the fans who want to go down. They can drive. They can fly. They can be there. It's now gone to a traditional Friday night type of game. That's what Rick Baker, the head of the Cotton Bowl, wants is a Friday night window, and that's what they're going to get. So it's going to be a great Friday night. You get to play a big-time opponent. You know, the question was, you knew they are going to be in a New Year's Six game, but you're scared that they're going to maybe be lined up with Liberty or someone like that. And that wouldn't feel like a big bowl game. I like the fact that Liberty's in there or SMU or whoever you argue for. I like that they're a part of it, Kevin. But you really don't want to be their opponent this year. You want a big name in a big bowl, and they're getting that. For the players... And everybody involved, there's nothing better than the Cotton Bowl, Kevin. I've been to most of these bowls. I've not been to the Orange Bowl, but I've been to the Sugar Bowl now. I'm telling you, it's not even close. Whatever you think the hospitality is and the red carpet treatment and what it feels like a big bowl situation for those that like the bowls. And when you're with a team, it's really a lot of fun, Kevin, to be around each other and fancy hotels for a whole week and all of that. The Cotton Bowl is 10 times better than the other ones. 10 times. So this is elite, what they're going to experience. The stadium, obviously, is an iconic stadium around the country. They're going to play an AT&T Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys play, and now you get to play Ohio State. So check, 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 A-plus, whatever you want. It couldn't get any better. You have nothing to lose because you've already won 10 games. If you lose to Ohio State, you just look at like the Georgia game, right? Hey, we did a really good job. But, man, if you beat Ohio State, Kevin, if you beat Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl, you win 11 games, oh, oh. Just think about the upside. This is an awesome situation for Missouri. Kansas State on December 28th is in Orlando. I think this used to be called the Citrus Bowl. We're naming it after stuff now. So the Pop-Tarts Bowl against North Carolina State. There was some discussion that the opponent might be Notre Dame. And I, I read something somewhere that the Notre Dame coach is still mad at Colin Klein for not coming to work there or something. And did Notre Dame tap out of this game and go to a different one? What's the real story here? Kansas State and North Carolina State. I don't know about that. He may also just do it out of respect rather than spite. I don't want to go against Colin Klein. That might be Notre Dame's stance. Um, What I heard was he was still upset that he couldn't believe that Colin Klein didn't come work at Notre Dame. He he went after him hard last year. There's no doubt about it. Uh, And had a great visit up there. Colin uh, really enjoyed his time 
uh, getting to know the Notre Dame coach, respects him and everything else. But this bowl game, I think, is really good because when K-State lost to Iowa State, I thought they may slip down the bowl pecking order, and that would be another ramification of not beating Iowa State in that last game, Kevin. You don't want to lose the Cyclones. You don't a local type of team. You don't want to not be undefeated at home, all the things, the senior day. But I thought they also might slide down in the bowl. They didn't. This is the bowl that was best suited for K-State. When you look at the pecking order, they didn't drop. They get to go to Florida for the first time, play different type of opponents. I really like the fact that they're playing in the game at the time, uh, in the stadium, warm weather. It's going to be so much fun for K-State fans. And North Carolina State is a good team. They're 9-3. and three. A lot of people will talk about North Carolina's quarterback and how great North Carolina is this year, Kevin. North Carolina State just beat them. So uh, Dave Doran, Bishop Miege, high school grad from around the Kansas City area here, KU guy, um, he is going to be – uh, the head coach of North Carolina State's been there a long time and are a legitimate opponent ranked in the top 20. Uh, they're 9-3. and three. But it doesn't carry as much juice. I hate to be disrespectful to North Carolina State, but it doesn't carry as much juice if you would have said, in this game, it could have been Notre Dame or Clemson. So uh, Iowa State got lucky enough when they went there, Clemson was the opponent. When Brock Purdy got to play in this game, it was Clemson. It would be a lot cooler, wouldn't it, to hear the name Clemson and Kansas State, or Notre Dame would be off the charts. So, yeah, there's missed opportunities in that pecking order, that mindset. But I'm glad it's this bowl game. I'm glad K-State didn't slip. I'm glad we're going to Florida. There's just so many positives. And they're going to play a legitimate team. Winning against a ranked team in a bowl game does not happen that often. You look back at K-State's history, so this is a big opportunity to go beat a ranked North Carolina State, a good team that's 9-3. and three. Kansas Jayhawks are headed to Phoenix on December 26th to play UNLV. Probably not the... Not, not the juice you're looking for in a game here, but, you know, Kansas has obviously earned the right to be a bowl game, bowl team, and and uh, what a great place for fans to visit. If they want to go spend a little time right after the holiday in Phoenix, play a little golf, check out some football, it's UNLV. Yes, yeah, so it, it's the thing that's hard about it for me is the fact that it's December 26th. Um, it is so inconvenient for fans to say, how am I going to schedule this out? Very few fans are going to fly in on the morning of and then just go to the game. So are you really going to take out of your Christmas time and your family obligations? That makes it harder. Uh, so I, it's a disappointing thing for Kansas in the timing of the game. Now, UNLV, you got a, the old Missouri coach went over there uh, and an old K-State football player is the AD. So it's kind of intertwined, kind of behind-the-scenes stuff going on that's interesting. But this is about Kansas going to a bowl two times in a row, Kevin. It's only This is only the second time it's happened in the history of KU football. And if you can go out and win a bowl game, that's something they need to check the mark on. That would be a big, big deal for Lance Leipold to not only say I went to two bowl games in a row, but to say we won a bowl game. And to finish off the season that way. Because Kansas, if they don't win this game, there's little negativity to the season, Kevin. When you, you win eight games, you improve from last year's six games. You're taking steps forward. You're doing the right things. These are all positives. But the difference between that and winning this bowl game, then you erase the fact that you lost your last two home games. So you beat Cincinnati, but you lost Texas Tech and K-State. If you lose the bowl game, you finish off the year losing three of the last four, and some of the juice and excitement about KU football goes off the board. You win this bowl game, and you got Kansas fans talking about it when they're going to the games to Allen Fieldhouse and enjoying the basketball season. They're saying, man, what a great football season. Wasn't that awesome, winning a bowl game? Kansas hasn't won many bowl games in recent history, if you think back at it. So this is a big opportunity, and UNLV is probably better than a lot of people think. It's not a name that gets you nervous or 
or worried, but they really are playing high-level football right now. Okay, ding dong, the Wicked Witch is dead. The college football playoff is toast. It's going to be 12 teams next year, and it was fitting that this four-team playoff went out with an absolute disaster of a selection. I'm not saying that there's a a better formula, a better um, four teams, I guess, but it sure looks ugly to have an undefeated Florida State team out and Georgia, which won 29 in a row, back-to-back national titles, and then lost to the number four team in the country by three points, and they're out. <laughs> there's there's no justifying what we've been doing our whole lives, Stan. It's just been wasted time and completely bogus. I am so glad this system is dead. Yes, Kevin, I agree with you 100%. I knew it when I was a young person, and then I went through and played college football and then got out and started analyzing it and broadcasting, and my mind never changed. We need an 18 playoff or more, but you need an 18 playoff. And you need to have some objective criteria, like the NFL, where it's not people telling us that, you know, the AP voting for a national championship is a bunch of writers, right? We've lived with that our whole life. And then they went to a two-team system, and you're like, really? Okay, that's better. And then we went to four. That's better. But it's still not even close to acceptable. It's not. The system is completely messed up. It's been that way. And this year is the perfect example of why. It was that way when the 14 playoff was announced. You and I were able to do shows together all the time, Kevin, and we were forthright and agreeable immediately. How can you have five power conferences playing unique and different schedules that include only 12 regular season games and maybe a championship game for a 13th data point? How can you tell me that one of those five champions does not deserve to be in the playoff? And I don't even care if they have three losses. Because they may have played a non-con schedule that was outrageous. They may have played the hardest teams in the country. They may have played unbelievable regular season games against tough opponents. But each conference should tell us who their champion is, and they should be able to enter the playoff. We've said that all along. Now, the first year that they had this, remember, TCU and Baylor were assured it appeared to be in the college football playoff, one of the two, right, as tied Big 12 champions. And the week before the final poll, They were in, and then they got booted out. After playing great games the last regular season game, they were booted out, and Ohio State was moved in. And and I had to shake your head and say, what the heck? What's the committee doing? And all those type of things. And you and I sat there and said, well, the committee just totally screwed over TCU and Baylor, and how could they have their polls be that different than last week other than the big name of Ohio State? What are you telling me? But you and I weren't arguing about that. We just said, who are your conference champions? They should all be in a playoff. Period. There should be at least five teams in the playoff, and probably six because you'd love to see participation by the group of five. The playoff needs to be six teams or more. You and I probably jumped right to eight. Why not eight? Eight sounds great. Let's go. We've said that forever, and here is the best example ever because you said it right, Kevin. I can take any of these five teams and debate for them or debate against them that they should or should not be in the playoff. Yes, it is appalling that Florida State's not in. Guess what they did in the non-con? They took on LSU, and LSU thought they are on their way to a national championship, Kevin. The guy who was their quarterback might be the Heisman Trophy winner next week, okay? They played them first game of the year, and they beat LSU for the second year in a row. Oh, then at the end of the year when their quarterback was injured and they hold that against them right now, oh, your quarterback didn't play? They played at Florida, an SEC team. At Florida, they played at Clemson. They won their conference. All of these things, it is unbelievable that Florida State's not included. But 
I cannot argue that they should be included more than any of the other four because they're conference champions. I'm a big guy who's on conference champions, and each of the four are. Each of the five are with Florida State, and one of them should not be left out. This is what's been wrong with the Uh, system all along, period, period, period. And if you want to argue Florida State then, Kevin, let's don't forget this. Argue against Michigan and Washington not being in, okay? What did Michigan do this year? You know, what did they do? They beat Ohio State. Well, what did Ohio State do this year? Barely, in a game that they were outplayed, barely won a game against Notre Dame on the road. These teams, Michigan and Ohio State, are overrated. Okay, they're overrated. And maybe Washington is too. So let's don't just say Texas and Alabama are the only ones that should be at at risk with Florida State. All of them should be at risk. But here's, the system's totally messed up, and you're right. It was shown better than ever this with time. this year's yeah. analysis. So here's one nobody's mentioned. I've, I've been consuming all this stuff and everybody's taking on this, and, and this doesn't matter specifically to, the, to these programs or anything like that, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are. If Alabama had won 29 straight and back-to-back national titles and lost to Georgia by three, wouldn't Alabama have made the playoff and Georgia's sitting at home? I could see them both being included. No, no, I'm, not no, sure I'm, I'm just pick. saying. Let me let me make my point. I guess. No, I think your your arguments for Georgia are very good. No, I, the, I also it's not even for Georgia. Georgia. It's it's a bias for Alabama that exists. Yeah, and, they, and this they is lose really simple. The if they had won, if, if Bama had won 29 in a row and back to back national titles and lost the SEC title game by three, they would have still been in. That's my point. How disrespectful is this for Georgia to say we don't count your 29 straight and your back to back titles? Yeah, because no one's arguing very hard for them. No, and and they, and they should be, because you and I and I think you would follow me fairly closely on this. I'm a big conference champion guy. I think that you cannot evaluate teams across the country with the schedules they play. I think conference champions matter, and so my arguments about what Georgia's evaluation should be are a little bit more off the charts. I'm in agreement with you. I'm simply saying, if it were the other way around, this committee wouldn't have cared. They would have taken Alabama after a loss, but not Georgia. I have no problem with you saying that, but I would even say, and and, and to further the argument for Georgia, conference champions are just one factor. If you think a team's better than another team, Kevin, you don't have to worry. We've seen two teams from the same conference in last year. Ohio State got in over a conference champion, so they don't care about a conference champion. I'm surprised at the analysts on ESPN who kind of just give you one one opinion, not they have five people there, then they'll bring more. They have like eight people, and only one of the eight might hint that they're not all in agreement. Why aren't they arguing for Georgia? I don't know. So why don't they just say Georgia just lost one game and, to Alabama and, barely? Why, why aren't they in the playoffs? Georgia apparently is just taking it like a man because they're not really complaining or anything. Because I think it's big boy football. I think they're like, hey, we had our chance. We lost our game, which is noble. Most schools would never do that. I think it says a lot about Kirby Smart and Georgia. Then they're not jumping up and down and screaming. But my point is, if these teams had been reversed, Alabama would have made it and Georgia. Either way, Alabama would have been in and Georgia would have been out. I just think there's huge bias for Alabama. I just believe that exists. And Ohio State. They keep saying, yeah. look how many NFL players they have. Yeah. Whenever they have an off game, they're like, oh, you know, that. let's, let's, let's talk about that. One of the best arguments for Florida State of why they shouldn't be left out right now is did you see Alabama Auburn game one week ago? Yeah, I mean no one no one factors in that Auburn was better than Alabama. No, this is Alabama, and they just beat Georgia. 
we're going to anoint them into the playoff and Florida State, bye-bye. And Florida State's like, you're talking about our quarterback, but did you see them play? Did you see him play Auburn last week? Because they keep saying, well, Texas, that Texas game was with a a quarterback that, okay, here's my thing, Kevin, I want to point out to your listeners, okay? I want to, I want to point this out because this is kind of a Kevin Keatsmanism, okay? <laughs> you just mentioned how big and bad Georgia is. And it's one of the reasons why Alabama gets to fly into the playoff and, and hold uh, undefeated Florida State out. They were fourth, okay? If you want to say it could have been Florida State instead of Alabama, they beat Georgia. Well, we're going to settle down here for the next month, Kevin, and go back to remembering that Georgia is the big bad dog this year, okay? And, and they're unbelievably good. Florida State is playing Georgia in the Orange Bowl. You talk about an elite bowl game. If Florida State beats Georgia, if Florida State beats Georgia and is undefeated, I think the AP voters do not have to vote with the college football playoff winner. I think the coaches poll does. But I think if Florida State beats Georgia, there should be a ton of consideration and a probability even, Kevin, that if you're a voter in the AP – that you put Florida State number one in the country. Oh, dude. I, Who would have if, more? If Florida State wins that more? game, I'm hanging a banner if I'm Florida State. I don't care what anybody says. I'm making a trophy, and I'm hanging a banner no matter what if I win that game. Because you've done everything. If you yes. beat Georgia, you've done everything Alabama has done, yeah. right? and then some. And it, so I'm just saying, there's a chance we have a split national championship like we had That'd in the old days. That'd be great. That'd it's still great. available. I know. I mean, I don't know the rule like a 1,000%, but I'm pretty sure the AP gets the vote. And the coaches have got to follow the college football playoff. I think they agreed to do that. That'd be awesome. So the college football national championship trophy is obviously going to be handed to somebody else. But I'm telling you, this is awesome. For those who think Florida State should have been in for whatever reason and they can beat anybody because it's not a one-man football team, it's a 35-person or 50-person, how good those guys are, mainly the top 22. You know, we can go win with our quarterback and Florida State can prove they're everything. Hey, if they do that against Georgia, I hope they're the AP national champion, and I would not be embarrassed about it at all. I think it would be legitimate. I love it. Stan, you're the best. That's why we have you on, man. That sounds great to me. You have a great week, and are going to be busy calling basketball games. Have a fabulous week, and we'll look forward to bowl season and a stretch run in the NFL. Okay, Kevin. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. There is Stan Weber, and that's a great thing to think about. I, I'll tell you what. If I was Florida State, I'd be hanging a banner if I did that. If I beat Georgia and I'm undefeated, I'm putting a banner up and maybe even making a trophy or whatever. But, yeah, they could finish number one in a poll and consider themselves that national championship as well. Our final final coming up is an amazing baseball card selling for a record price. It's brought to you by the Finch Knife Company online at finchknifeco.com. A wonderful holiday gift this season is a Finch pocket knife. Beautiful designs, all kinds of different models. They're all online at finchknifeco.com or see them in person at Shields, the Bullet Hole, or Teague Tractor in Belton. Keep life from getting dull with a Finch pocket knife. Buck Disposal is online at buckdisposal.com. Now, all your disposal needs on the job site are handled by a local company instead of one of these big corporate conglomos where you can't reach anybody in customer service. Whether you're doing a business remodel, small to large, homeowner remodeling, moving, cleaning, municipalities, landscape companies, roofing companies, you tear those shingles off, you got to put them in a big dumpster, Buck Disposal will drop it off and pick it up for you. Call 913-242-7695 for buckdisposal.com. They even work on the weekends. And North Kansas City Dental, I'm headed to see Dr. Bill Bush tomorrow 
Got an appointment at NKC Dental in the Northland. They've got two locations, Westwood and North Kansas City. If you'd like to make an appointment, they'll accept your insurance. They'd love to see you, even if it's just for a regular six-month checkup and cleaning your teeth. 816-471-2911. Your new dentist is nkcdental.com. Our final final comes to the world of ball card trading, and this is an amazing story of a Babe Ruth rookie card that first appeared in the Baltimore News newspaper in 1914. What happened in 1914 was they made these little ball cards. They put them in the newspaper. They delivered the paper to everybody that lived in Baltimore. And there was a young rookie, and this is in an independent league at that time, named George Herman Ruth. And thus, this was his rookie card. A young paper boy named Archibald Davis, who was 16 at the time, went door to door and handed these out. But one of his favorite things was collecting the ball cards that were in the newspapers. And he did that. And over the next year or two, he collected 15 Babe Ruth cards because he was fascinated by the young talent and thought it would be his favorite player. Well, Archibald Davis has long since died, but his estate, he passed down 15 different Babe Ruth cards for generations. The latest iteration of this over the weekend sold at auction for $7.2 million. The auction company says is it is easier to buy an NFL team than it is to buy a Babe Ruth rookie card. A Babe Ruth rookie card had not been sold anywhere on this planet for the last 11 years. $7.2 million for that one. Wowza. There's your final final. At Kevin Keatsman has issues. Kevin Keatsman Has Issues has been presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC and is produced by Crooked Tail Media. Please hit the like or follow button wherever you listen or give us a review. For premium content podcasts and weekly newsletter, join as a patron at kkhasissues.com for as little as $5 a month. Support all our sponsors and other conservative businesses at the kklist.com. This has been a production of Cricket Tail Media Incorporated.